This is What's That About, the show where we look at the topics and trends that make us wonder, what is that about? Today, we're talking about teething necklaces. Don, I've got a little bit of a confession to make. We've got... I've got two kids. Second one was an absolute nightmare. Yep. In terms of her sleep. And when she was teething, she was even worse. Like, she was just, like, crying all night. We couldn't get her to sleep. It was terrible. I was doing that thing where, you know, like, when your partner's sleeping and you're in bed on your phone, and when the kid starts crying, you quickly put your phone down and pretend that you're asleep. Uh, I'm not familiar with that at all. (laughs) Officially. Okay. Unofficially. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and then when they wake up and go, oh, hey, the baby's baby's crying, you then have to pretend that you're actually asleep and pretend to wake up? Yeah, yeah. What? What's going on? Oh, oh I didn't. What time is it? I yeah. don't even know what time it is. <laughs> I usually wait for the third attempted wake up before I start rousing myself a little bit. Don, Don, Don. Huh? Huh? Just a noise. It's just a noise. It's all it takes. <laughs> so anyway, so in, the, in the midst of all that teething, in a moment of desperation, we tried everything. Nothing was working. We reached for a teething necklace. We put it on our, our baby's neck in the next morning. Within a couple of hours, she had stopped, stopped grizzling and she was really much, much more settled. Mm. So, this episode is about teething necklaces. Let's figure out what's going on with them, because I've got a little bit of a personal experience here. Let's, let's interpret it through that lens. How do, we, how do you want to go about this? Do we, do we need to start at the beginning? Because I guess there'll be lots of people that don't have a kid and they're probably not even aware of what the teething process is about. Should we start at that point? Something tells me that if they don't have kids, they won't be listening to this episode. I think they've turned off already. But uh, unless, you're a, unless you're a parent or a necklace buff, I don't think they're <laughs> going to be tuning in. <laughs> so, teething is obviously the process when a baby's teeth kind of shoot through the gums. Yeah. It's kind of accompanied with kind of drooling and dribbling and irritability and crankiness and, and yeah, pretty much like you after a couple of light beers. That's yeah, the, uh, I was just about to say, <laughs> and the, the child is also un- uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that that kind of can go on, can kick off anywhere from six months and last through until three years when you know the twenty baby teeth teeth pop out. So that's kind of the teething process. So in response to that, some people reach for the teething necklace. Can you talk us through how the, how these work? So the teething necklace is essentially it's amber. It's an amber teething necklace, which an amber is fossilized tree resin. So. Basically, they get small amounts of that amber, the fossilized tree resin, and then string it together in a necklace, chuck it on. Um, it's claimed that it reduces the, uh, the pain and discomfort of teething. And how, is it, how do they propose that it does that? Well, the theory, there's lots of different theories. The one that has the most credibility is that amber contains something called succinic acid, which it does. And succinic acid was used as an anti-inflammatory agent to alleviate various aches and pains. That's sort of historically speaking. And the best sort of type of amber is Baltic amber, it's called, which contains the highest amount of succinic acid. And it contains, I think it's about four, three to eight percent 
uh, succinic acid. So the theory is is that the child is wearing the necklace and just the normal body heat will heat up the amber and it'll excrete this succinic acid which has that anti-inflammatory and analgesic effect. Okay, that sounds plausible as a kind of a mechanism of change in, in theory. Mm. Let's unpack that a little bit. Is that possible? Like, is it actually possible that you can you can transmit acid through the skin, which is kind of triggered by body heat? Is that is that a, is that possible? Uh, no, it's not. Apparently, so they've done tests, and amber needs to be heated to over two hundred degrees Celsius. So unless they've got one hell of a fever, they're not going to be. Uh... <laughs> so normal body heat thirty seven degrees. It's got to be yeah. closer to 200 for that chemical reaction to, ha- to take place. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I find interesting, though, is even if... And I guess the one of the, I guess the general things here is, is that if, if you think it works for your kid and it's not doing any causing any harm, then fair play to you. No, no judgment here. The government has released some warnings around kind of strangulation risks and choking risks if the bead breaks. So there's some mm. cautions around not, not you know your baby not sleeping in it and that kind of stuff. I guess the thing for me, though, is even if it does work, how kind of sensible is it to allow an unregulated dose of a chemical acid to be flowing into your child's neck over a long period of time? Luke, you're forgetting the fact that it's all natural. What Cla- <laughs> it's a classic uh, mistake you've made there. It's all natural. Nothing, it's no all- harm can come. So it self-regulates. Nature yeah, self-regulates, right. right. Excellent. Yeah, as, yeah, you're right. It's a good point. It goes on the, the thought that anything sort of natural is good and having this sort of unregulated amount of um, acid or succinic acid going into the system is... It's okay because it's a natural remedy. It's better than sort of taking medication. Right, yeah, that, that makes sense. So in terms of... So with, with my kid, when our, our baby kind of improved when we put it on or soon after putting it on, I was kind of looking into what are some of the reasons that might explain why there is this perceived effect because lots of parents kind of swear that it made a difference. Mm. And I guess the two main reasons that I saw were, one is that the, the teething necklace pretty much just coincides with the natural course of healing. And we know that with teething, once the teeth tooth kind of breaks through, the discomfort drops off pretty rapidly. So one of the ideas is it's they're struggling with it. By the time you put the necklace on, it's kind of it's it's probably going to drop off soon anyway. So it's just coinciding with that. Mm. Or the other idea is placebo effect, which is our episode eight of this podcast. We did a whole episode on the placebo effect, which is is worth going and having a listen to if you're interested in in how that works. Cross referencing between episodes, that's getting a little bit professional for this. That podcast. is, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Is it audible or mailchimp? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I went I went to look at some websites that sold uh, teething necklaces, yeah, and they had customer testimonials. And so one of them was, um, you know, the baby had cut its first tooth, but we only discovered it a few days after because it had the necklace on. We didn't even notice. It was kind of the, the general quote, yeah. But I also read that lots of kids actually don't don't experience any discomfort with teething. So yeah, my, kind of this, my son didn't yeah. really. He was pretty good the whole time. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, from a young age, slept through, did no discomfort, occupied himself in the morning by reading a book yeah. so you could have a sleep in. <laughs> yeah. He's a good kid. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because even though like, he didn't have any discomfort, I don't think, 
he's still, you know, all kids have their cranky moments. And teething is this thing that basically from the age of like six months to three years, anything that is potentially going wrong with your kid, I think unless it's really obvious, teething just is the answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My kid has diarrhea. Uh, teething, teething. Te- he's drooling. He won't sleep. <laughs> teething. He's annoying. He's pushing other kids. Uh, teething. Yeah. <laughs> Cross-eyed. Uh, I think it's teething. Yeah. I, think, exactly. uh, teething. <laughs> I read an article with doctors saying that exact same thing, saying there's so much built up around teething and that the doctors are actually really minimizing the impact of teething, kind mm. of saying that it's mild discomfort. It doesn't explain lots of the things that parents are kind of putting on teething. Almost, there's almost like a touch of cynicism around, yeah, parents are overreacting around the effects of teething. Yeah. It's hard to say, isn't it? But, you know, like, when do kids lose their teeth? Is that when they're in, like, like five or six? Is that when they lose their teeth and start growing in their adult teeth? Oh, yeah, I think they. Yeah, they. It's a staggered process, beginning around five or six. I think. Yeah. Because is that painful for kids that age? I don't remember having pain when my teeth were coming through, but. Um. No, I don't, I don't think it is, and that's interesting. So, what's it's, that about? Um. Oh, this is this episode within an episode? I know. Delicious. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I learned was that the tooth doesn't act. When I thought, when I saw our kids teething, I was like oh, that tooth is forcibly pushing its way through the gum lining. That must mm. be really painful. Yeah. But apparently there's a hormonal process that takes place where the kind of the cells at the surface of the gum actually die and then part so the tooth can come through. So they're actually not cutting the gum at all. They're just kind of pushing through, hmm. which is, is kind of, can, I think, result in some swelling, but not the level of pain that, that kind of people often claim. Yeah, right. I think it's probably, um, it's probably different for every kid and... Yeah. Very painful for some, and maybe less so for others. Yeah, yeah. And some of the stuff with like just the drooling and the tears and some of the distress, I'm like, they don't have a fever, they don't have anything else. I'm putting it down to teething. I don't care what the doctors say. Yeah, yeah. That is, they were, <laughs> she was not a happy camper. Exactly. <laughs> it's interesting that they, historically, back in like the 18th, you know, 17th and 18th century, when they didn't really know a lot about illness and disease, because teething was so common in kids, it was actually attributed as, as the leading cause of infant death was teething. And it kind of some some data was like seven and a half percent of infant deaths were caused by teething. That's kind of how poorly it was understood historically. Yeah, right. I wouldn't call it a fun fact. It's it's a <laughs> it's just it's, a fact. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a fact. Yeah. Um, and they also back in those days they used to put leeches on kids' gums to help with the, the process, the swelling process. Really? Although she used to surgically make a little incision in the gum to help the tooth come through on the idea that it was kind of being impeded. Like, so I can't imagine doing that. You'd need your amber necklace if they were doing that. Like, get <laughs> that amber on there straight away. <laughs> Give me some of that acid. Six, I'll six be putting two on. Yeah. I'll be- <laughs> but it's interesting, like, if it does have that effect, why don't adults wear them? I think some adults do wear them, but you're right. Why don't more wear them? Yeah. If it's this general pain-relieving effect, it, it could help with my skin. It yeah. Could, uh, it could help with all kinds of things. Tennis elbow? That, I could love a bit of amber on your tennis elbow. <laughs> Sprinkle some beads in my hair, get rid of my dandruff. Yeah. <laughs> and also, with the succinic acid, they've sort of done clinical trials on them and they've found out that not only will the succinic acid not come out at less than 200 degrees Celsius, but even if it does come out, 
there's actually no evidence that suggests it even has an anti-inflammatory effect. So the only there's only one study that shows a potential um, effect, and that is an animal study that showed that succinic acid may help in reducing anxiety in mice. So about bloody time. Are those mice? <laughs> <laughs> They've been suffering for years. <laughs> <laughs> they really need an awareness campaign. That's oh, the... <laughs> The, I also read some people saying that the chemical composition of succinic acid is technically more more similar to a skin irritant. That's kind of the the if it's if it's anything, it's a skin irritant rather than kind of an analgesic. Yeah, that is interesting. So with you now having done a little bit of research on it, and you know, there's a risk of, I think it's a small risk, but there is a risk, I guess, of choking or strangulation. And the fact that it doesn't work, do you still use them? No, we stopped. So we, we never let her sleep in it, and we're always very safety conscious. But I was never really believing that that's what made the difference. Yeah. So when I kind of read that there's really no mechanism that this is going to work, and why would I take the safety risk? So we stopped We stopped using it. Um, so on balance, it just wasn't, wasn't working for us. Mm. But to be honest, I... I I see more kids than not wearing them, so I'm certainly not not sitting in judgment. That's for sure. Yeah, they, in the least, they look cool. Yeah, yeah they kind of look. They look cool. Anything that makes your kid look like Pebble or Bam Bam from the Flintstones <laughs> is a good thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> My kid just walks around with a, a giant boar uh, boar bone. It's oh, like, they looked so good on. The, I always wanted to eat one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's funny how this is like one of those. I guess teething is one of those things that you. Um, often when you're at your at your worst as a parent is when you um, are just out of you don't have the control over how your kids are carrying on. Um, we were at the shops a little while ago, and so our youngest kid was in a teething phase, and our oldest kid was in a tantrum phase. And I was putting all the, the groceries in the car, and um, this is my worst parenting moment when my three year old was standing behind the car boot door. And without looking too carefully, I opened the boot door. It clocked her in the head. And then she fell into a bush. (laughs) And this happened on the main street of like a pretty busy area. And I just sat there while she was lying in the bush like it was some bad Jim Carrey sketch. Like she was fine. But I just felt like the worst, the worst dad ever. That's it's, it's funny, but it's kind of... She, she was okay. She's <laughs> completely fine. Completely fine. On another completely unrelated, but kind of related, just to parenting, mm. I, had a, I had a moment this, tonight. I was reading my son's stories, and I just figured out, this is as good as my life gets at the moment, is when I say one more story, and he chooses a short book. It is... <laughs> <laughs> that is like Christmas. If he chooses a short book instead of a long one, I am the happiest man alive. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really good choice. Let's put, let's read this one. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon that there should really be some kind of like books. Kids' books should be written with a number on the front that says approximate reading time two minutes. Yeah, minutes, that's a really good idea. Six minutes. Yeah, like that would make our life a lot easier. Yeah, sometimes you've got to pick you a get, book with a two on the front. It's sometimes it just feels like you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, this is a good two minute job. And 10 minutes later, you're still there, you're halfway through the book, and uh, it's depressing. 
It is depressing. And when your kids get to that age where they can pick up when you're skipping words or oh, skipping yeah. pages, <laughs> you're like, I know this is good for, This is good development, but that's annoying. Know. That is bloody annoying. Because the best thing was, back when they're a bit younger, as soon as you get sick of reading, the end. And close the book and they're off to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Are we, I think like, we're the world's worst dads. I think, I think we're, <laughs> we're probably putting that on the table. Yeah, tonight. yeah. All right, so I guess that's teething necklaces. Um, there's really no plausible way that they can work. It's probably the long and the, the short of it, Yeah, yeah. To, to put it bluntly. We've, we started very diplomatically, and then <laughs> we held in there for as long as we could. Yeah, so. yeah. If you think it works and you think it's doing a good thing, go for it. Evidence suggests otherwise, but who knows? Other than science. Who are yeah. we to say? That's yeah. the- don't listen to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, alrighty. Uh, thank you for listening. See ya. Cool. See you guys. Bye.